I'm Dave Champion. Because I do a lot of research, and I have for decades, I hold a lot of views concerning various things that we have all seen occur over the course of history. Uh, a different opinion than, say, the masses, perhaps a different opinion than the official government narrative or the establishment narrative. So, am I a conspiracy theorist? Before we can even begin to determine whether I or you are a conspiracy theorist, we need to find out exactly what this thing is called a conspiracy theory. And here's the meaning. A conspiracy theory is an explanation for an event or situation that invokes a conspiracy by sinister and powerful groups, often political in motivation. Okay, so it invokes a conspiracy. What's a conspiracy? A conspiracy, also known as a plot, is a secret plan or agreement between persons for an unlawful or harmful purpose, especially with political motivation. So, do conspiracies exist? Well, yeah, <laughs> we know they do because prosecutors accuse thousands of people all across the United States every single day of having committed conspiracies to commit a crime. But that's government accusing ordinary people of conspiracy. Are there conspiracies conducted by the government? Well, yeah, and it's not, it's not even difficult to prove. Uh, if you want to take a look at conspiracies overseas, you could look at Operation Ajax. If you want to look at a conspiracy that was planned by the Defense Department here domestically, you can Google Operation Northwoods. There was a case, I can't remember the name now, it took place in roughly 1953. There was a, an engineer working on a bomb site for the Pentagon and <laughs> to create a better bomb site. So they, they would go up in this plane and test this, the different designs for these bomb sites. And the engineer would come home and tell his wife, he says, I think I'm going to die because the planes they're sending us up in are so rickety. They're falling apart. They're having engine problems. I think one of these planes is going to crash. Yeah, so guess what happened? <laughs> yeah, the plane crashed. He died. And so the widow sued the Defense Department. The Department of Justice walked into that federal court with an affidavit signed by, I believe it was the Secretary of Defense, saying it was a, uh, they could not move forward with trial because in the course of the trial, they would have to divulge classified national security information, right? Okay, so the judge looked at that and he said I'm, to the lady, the, the widow, I'm sorry, we, we can't move forward. The federal law says we cannot hear a case if in the course of that case, um, national security uh, classified information will be divulged, so I'm sorry, you have no remedy. Something like 52 or 53 years later, when those papers were declassified and the widow and her family got a hold of them, it literally said in the case margins, if we claim this is a national security issue, we won't have to go to trial and we won't have to pay this woman damages for sending her husband up in a rickety air. You get the draft. <laughs> yeah. The attorneys who had reviewed the case literally wrote that in the margin. The answer to not having to go to trial and pay this woman for the death of her husband is to falsely claim it was a national security issue. Now, how many attorneys do you think sat and discussed that? Yeah, that's called a criminal conspiracy. I think perhaps one of the most famous, well-known conspiracies is... 9-11, and it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are concerning what happened that day. 
Whether you actually believe the government's narrative that 19 idiots with towels on their heads conducted 9-11, or whether you go all the way to the other side and believe, you know, the fix was in, it's an inside job, it doesn't matter where on the spectrum you fall, because no matter where, people conspired together to make it happen, right? So if you say it was an inside job, the people in the government conspired to make it happen. If you say that that's nonsense and it was 1980s with towels on their heads, then they conspired to do it. So that's got to be one of the most famous near-term conspiracies that every single American knows about. So the, the end result here is we know that there are conspiracies by average Joe on the street, and we know there are conspiracies by government. This should not be a controversial concept. Well, the term conspiracy theory came around in the mid to late 1800s, the first time it was used by the United States government to say the citizens who don't trust and believe us are conspiracy theorists was in a report the CIA put out in the wake of the JFK assassination. And in that report, the CIA referred to people who thought the CIA may have had some role in the assassination of JFK, that they were conspiracy theorists. So suddenly now citizens who said, wait a second, wait, 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 wait. I'm not buying the government narrative. Suddenly now, government agencies were saying, that guy is a conspiracy theorist. Personally, I think the government should stay away from that completely. One might even say I would support a statute that the government cannot claim citizens disbelieving government narrative, which might be truthful and might not be truthful, that citizens who do not believe the government's narrative is truthful the government should never call those people conspiracy theorists. This is a nation where we judge the government, not the government judge us. Now I'm going to tell you a story about me and something that I know to be true, but I think a lot of people would look at me and say, oh my God, that guy is such a conspiracy theorist. But before we go there, let's take a look at my history. Okay, so I would say my very first sort of <laughs> real job, not a teenage job, was, yeah, as the United States Army Airborne Ranger. So that's like not somebody as a member of the public having some wild, crazy conspiracy theory about the government. That's being in the government, right? So then I got out of the military and where'd I go from there? Yeah, the law enforcement, not exactly the thing conspiracy theorists are made of, right? I wasn't accusing the government. I was an agent of the government. From there, I went into corporate America and became a business owner of a corporation that dealt in high-tech items with uh, medium and large corporations throughout the Southern California area. Again, not exactly the profile of a conspiracy theorist. And that brings me to the story I want to share with you today. I walked into the bank one day and I'm standing in line. There's a couple of people in front of me. And as I get to the front of the line and then I move towards the teller window, and it was a small bank and I knew everybody well, the teller literally starts crying. So I'm sorry, Dave, I had to do it. I'm like, do what? Well, it turns out she was literally tears running down her face because she had been forced, from her point of view, to give the Internal Revenue Service $32,000 out of a payroll account of mine. Um, now, that was disturbing enough, except like in, I don't know, 48 or 72 hours, I owed paychecks to all the people who in good faith had come to work for me. They had spent their time working. They had earned that money, and now I had to pay them. So the, my first priority was like a moral one. It's like, okay, so like in 48 or 72 hours, I have to have money available to cut checks to these men who put their faith in me when they showed up and did what I asked them to. So that, that was a huge issue. 
But then there was the issue of, wait a second. Because of my law enforcement background, I knew that there's only three ways that government can seize your property. Number one is they have to have some sort of court order, whether they're seizing uh, property in a criminal matter or whether it's in a civil matter, the federal court issues a warrant of distraint. Since we're talking about the IRS, it would be a federal court. Uh, there's exigent circumstances where your property can be seized by law enforcement if not doing so would cause the evidence to be destroyed in short order. Like if they walked out of the room, you destroy the evidence. They can take possession. They can't take it and leave the building and go to the police station with it, but they can take physical possession of it until a warrant arrives. And the last one is asset forfeiture, which back in the days concerning the story I'm telling you wasn't a thing yet. So I knew that none of those were the case. So I was like, wait a second, I've read the Constitution. I'm very familiar with the Fourth Amendment. And as many times as I've read the Constitution, I have never seen this thing, this exception to the Fourth Amendment for taxation. So there's all these restrictions on how government can come and take somebody's property except concerning income tax, and then none of that applies, yet there's no written exemption or exception. I knew something was amiss. A couple days after that, I'm sitting having dinner with a couple of friends in a restaurant. I, could, I, I such a vivid memory of this, I could take you to the exact restaurant, to the exact table where this conversation took place. So I'm sitting there with two guys who are buddies of mine, I'm telling them about this traumatic story where $32,000 of my money got taken. By the way, this was, I don't know, 30 years ago, so $32,000, it would be a lot more today, right? So I'm telling them the story and they both start chuckling. These are my friends, right? I'm telling them this horrific story and they start chuckling. I'm like, hey guys, whatever the joke is, <laughs> let me in on it because I'd really like to laugh too and I'm not really laughing. And they said to me, if you knew what we know, you'd be laughing too. I'm like, bring it on. Tell me what you know. These two gentlemen began to tell me what their research into the actual law concerning income tax, federal income tax, what it really said. Now, I, I'm going to tell you straight up. I was non-committal during that dinner. I listened, right? Had my catcher's mitt for data out and I was catching the data, putting it up here. Uh, but that whole thing with the bank, knowing there was no Fourth Amendment exception, okay, something was amiss. So I didn't dismiss what, I didn't buy into what they said, nor did I dismiss it. I started doing my own research. That evening was the beginning of 17 years of hardcore, in-depth research. And that eventually produced income tax shattering the myths. However, I started and stopped writing it multiple times, probably six different times. I started to write it and then stopped. And the reason I stopped is I had a standard, what, what for me is a gold standard, because I, I, I fancy myself an ethical individual. So I thought, until I know this material so thoroughly, 
I have nailed down every single tiny thing. And I know this material so well that if you lined up a hundred attorneys from the Department of Justice, and each one of them, we sat in a line, and each one of them stepped up and challenged me on a point of income tax law, I could slap the hell out of all hundred of them. Until I knew that, no, not a hundred of them, every single one of them that works there. So until I could do that ethically, I didn't feel I could go out and tell my fellow Americans what the truth is about the income tax. The day I said to myself, you know what? I am that guy now. I have that level of expertise. I am the expert in the field. Uh, and I could take on and slap down every single attorney that DOJ tax division could throw at me uh, and do it with one hand tied behind my back. Only then did I move forward in writing income tax shattering the mess. This is about conspiracies, right? Okay, so how many Americans believe the government's narrative that the income tax applies to everybody? You go out, you know, you get up in the morning, you have a cup of coffee, you take the kids to school, you go off to work and you put in your 40 hours a week and after a couple of weeks you get a paycheck. How many Americans believe that having done that, living that life, they, it is mandatory upon them under the law to give the government so? hundreds of millions, there's what, 322 million Americans in the United States right now? How many of those believe the government narrative? So I think in the eyes of a lot of people, I would be a conspiracy theorist because they don't know the facts. They don't know the law. So to them, I look like a complete idiot. But if you read Income Tax Shattering the Myths, then you say, Holy cow, man, was Dave spot on. And he showed page, 408 pages, page after page after page after page after page after page, 408 pages that prove it, that doesn't say it, that doesn't assert it, that doesn't allude to it, but proves it. Conspiracy theory number two. <laughs> yeah, true story. I was at the gym and I saw this guy across the gym. This is years ago now. I said, that, that looks like Sean. No, that can't be Sean, because that guy's like half the size of Sean. Sean was a big boy, and I'm not talking muscular. I mean, he was muscular, but his big boyness came from body fat, right? So I'm seeing this guy. I'm like, no, it looks like Sean kind of, he's, he's back as to me, but it can't be, because this guy's half the size of Sean. So I'm doing my thing at the gym, and I glance over, and the guy turns around. It's Sean, right? So I go over there, and I have a discussion with him. I'm like, dude. I haven't seen you in like five and a half months and where's the other half of you? Wow, you look great, right? So he starts telling me about this diet he's on and this is not about the keto diet. Let me be very clear about that. He tells me about this diet he's on, this keto diet. And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. Tell me about it. So he gives me his spiel on the keto diet. Just like sitting having dinner with those guys all those years before, decades before, my Information catcher's mid is up. I'm taking the information in, putting it here, and I'm going to go. I, I didn't buy into it, and I didn't dismiss it. I thought it sounded pretty damn kooky, honestly, but I'm looking at the results right in front of me, right? So I go home, and I start researching. You know, sometimes being, having, being like a researcher, being a part of who I am, yeah, <laughs> it's not always a great thing. So I start tearing into the data behind his representation about the keto diet, right? And again, nothing in this conversation is about the keto diet. 
in order to, to determine whether the keto diet was safe, whether the things he was presenting to me was factual, or maybe he had lost weight because something else of which he was unaware, like I'm doing this and I'm attributing the responsibility here, but it's actually the responsibility is over there and I don't see that. So what I did is I started this research. The interesting thing was I found that much of the establishment narrative opposed the principles, not the keto diet, but the principles, the physiological principles that undergird the keto diet. And that I would go to establishment websites and their information was like 180 degrees opposed to this other physiology over here. So by at this point, you, in my mind, you could take the keto diet and throw it out the window because I couldn't care less about that. What became important to me was the science versus what was on the establishment's website, right? So to be clear, the keto diet was just the thing that introduced me to the, to the science and the physiology and the nutritional aspects and so forth and what our body does with macros and how it does it, when it does it, and I'm, okay, yeah. Versus the establishment's narrative, okay? So down the rabbit hole I went. And again, just like with the income tax, what I found was that the establishment's narrative was not rooted in facts, science, or reality. In investigative work, there's a mantra I'm sure you've heard, follow the money. And after months and months and months and months and months of research, it became very, very clear to me, looking at the constellation of all of the facts and the data, See, this one connect to that one and that one and that one and that one. They pull these all together. We see a timeline. We see the same players and so forth. And what became crystal clear to me was the reason that the establishment's narrative was not science-based, although everyone on the planet believes it is, right? They see things published by various large, auspicious, respectable organizations. They automatically presume it's true. Or the guy who's in charge of such an organization government or private, that person speaks and people, oh, that's the truth. Okay, so I found out, no, at least in, in the regard to the issues I was researching, none of it was true. It was all BS. And best case scenario was some of them, they might've been unaware that what they were saying was BS, but the vast majority of them, they knew because they were scientists, right? So they knew the science wasn't there. They were lying. Okay? So why would they be doing that? Well, follow the money. What became crystal clear to me was that 60 years of false um, establishment narrative was based on one thing and one thing only, protecting the revenue of large trillion dollar, what are today, trillion dollar industries and multi-million dollar businesses. That's what the agenda was. If you got sick and died, Nobody in those auspicious, respectable organizations cared. The people who were standing up, the, the executive directors and so forth, who stood up and made these statements. If you, your whole family died of illness, preventable illness and disease because of their lives, they didn't care. They were promoting the narrative that protected the revenues of trillion dollar industries. <sighs> That's the kind of shit I can't tolerate. That resulted in me busting out Body Science, which is a book on physiology, but I have to get into the history, this kind of things we're talking about right now, because virtually 
everyone who cracks open the cover of Body Science and begins to read, virtually everybody is brainwashed by the 60 years of falsehood. There's even a chapter where I, I specifically go through some myths and I ask people to step away from what they think they know. Okay? More than enough time to go back through the book and verify it against all these myths that are in your head after 60 years of lies. That, that's fine. I encourage research, right? So if you can prove anything wrong in the book, by all means let me know. No one ever has. But the point being, every single person who cracks open the book is a victim of 60 years of falsehoods, brainwashing, by the entire nutritional and science and research establishment. So I needed, not not I wanted, I needed to divulge the history of all this corruption in order that people can read the physiology and say, yeah, okay, that conflicts with what I heard 27 years ago on, the, on this particular point. But I now understand why it's in conflict. <laughs> okay? I now understand that that was non-factual, and I explained why that 60 years worth of various representations are and were non-factual. So then people, having seen the lies, having had the, the mask ripped off the lies and the liars, then when the actual real-life physiology is presented, they're like, oh, I totally get it now. Now that I'm not brainwashed by all that crap, now the real physiology makes sense. So, again, back to the conspiracy theory thing. It's sort of like income tax shattering the mess. Am I a conspiracy theorist? Well, to the minds again of probably 94, 95% of the American public, yeah, I am because of their ignorance, because they remain brainwashed by the 60 years of falsehoods, the false establishment narrative. So in the eyes of a lot of people, and I imagine certainly Facebook fact checkers, yeah, I'm a conspiracy theorist. In this world where the establishment and the government lies, lies all the time, and lies even when the truth would serve it well, why don't you join me in being a conspiracy theorist? Get yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths, and then find out for yourself. Are we conspiracy theorists? Get yourself a copy of Body Science, whichever one is your thing, or both of them, and read it and find out. Are we both conspiracy theorists? Or do we just value truth more than perhaps our countrymen do?